Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. A Pharisee in the Sanhedrin named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up, ordered the apostles to be put outside for a short time, and said to the Sanhedrin, Fellow children of Israel, be careful what you are about to do to these men. Some time ago, Theudas appeared, claiming to be someone important, and about 400 men joined him. But he was killed, and all those who were loyal to him were disbanded and came to nothing. After him came Judas the Galilean at the time of the census. He also drew people after him, but he too perished, and all who were loyal to him were scattered. So now I tell you, have nothing to do with these men, and let them go. For if this endeavor or this activity is of human origin, it will destroy itself. But if it comes from God, you will not be able to destroy them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. They were persuaded by him. After recalling the apostles, they had them flogged, ordered them to stop speaking in the name of Jesus, and dismissed them. So they left the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they had been found worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. And all day long, both at the temple and in their homes, they did not stop teaching and proclaiming the Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord. One thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is my life's refuge. Of whom should I be afraid? One thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord. One thing I ask of the Lord, this I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may gaze on the loveliness of the Lord and contemplate his temple. One thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord. I believe that I shall see the bounty of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord with courage, be stout-hearted, and wait for the Lord. One thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs he was performing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish feast of Passover was near. When Jesus raised his eyes and saw that a large crowd was coming to him, he said to Philip, Where can we buy enough food for them to eat? He said this to test him, because he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred days' wages' worth of food would not be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, 
but what good are these for so many? Jesus said, Have the people recline. Now there was a great deal of grass in that place, so the men reclined, about 5,000 in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were reclining, and also as much of the fish as they wanted. When they had had their fill, he said to his disciples, Gather the fragments left over, so that nothing will be wasted. So they collected them, and filled twelve wicker baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves that had been more than they could eat. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is truly the prophet, the one who is to come into the world. Since Jesus knew that they were going to come and carry him off to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain alone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we do pray today for all those who have been wounded by abortion. And we proclaim most clearly, most urgently, the Lord is with you. The Lord is on your side. The Lord wants to heal you. The Lord has his arms open to receive you. He doesn't have his hands raised in condemnation, and neither do we. He has his arms open, and so do we. This is the ministry of reconciliation God has given to the church. This is what the pro-life movement proclaims every day. That, yes, abortion is evil, and we reject it. But we who reject abortion do not reject those who have had abortions. No, because you are our brothers and sisters, and you are still a child of God, and you still have a future, and you have a Savior. In my role as Director of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest, most vocal and active pro-life organizations in the world, I also serve in the capacity of Pastoral Director of Rachel's Vineyard Ministries. This is the largest ministry in the world to heal those wounded by abortion. And I also serve as Pastoral Director of the Silent No More Awareness Campaign, which is a mobilization of people who, having come through healing, want to share their story, want to talk about how they were deceived by the lie that abortion is somehow a solution, how they were wounded, but then how, out of their pain, they turned to the Lord, turned to the church, turned to the pro-life movement, and encountered the risen one. They were curled up on the ground, hiding in a dark corner, with their even, unable even to raise up their eyes. And in that dark corner, a light shone. Into that darkness, the Savior illuminated them and, said, and extended his hand and said, Rise up from this place of shame and despair. Rise up from this place where you cannot even raise your head. Rise up and know that you have a Savior and walk into the light of forgiveness and healing and peace. Healing and peace after abortion are not an instantaneous experience. There are certainly moments of grace, 
there certainly are, in, for many people, experiences that last an instant where they feel transformed. But even for them, the journey of healing is a lifetime. The journey of healing, the process of grieving that child or children who were lost, the process of healing the many broken relationships that follow in the wake of abortion, the anger at those who hurt us, at those who should have known better, at those who did know better but didn't say anything, at those who could have saved us from harm but didn't do anything, all that has to be healed, and it's a lifelong journey of healing. There are so many steps that need to be taken. But our urgent proclamation that there is healing, that our arms are open, that there is mercy and forgiveness, is meant to get that process started, or for those who have already started that process, to be an encouragement for them to keep going. Brothers and sisters, our Lord multiplied the bread in today's gospel passage. But you notice they wanted to make him king, and he rejected that, he withdrew alone. Because some people interpreted that just on a material level, on a human level. Oh, if we put this guy in charge, we'll never go hungry again. Jesus went away alone because he wasn't here simply to feed the hungry. He was here to bring us faith in him who is the bread of life. Man does not live on bread alone, he said, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The reason he multiplied the bread was not simply to feed the hungry, but was to give the people a sign of who he was. And that miracle was meant to lead them to faith, to lead them to embrace the Christ, the Savior of the world, the suffering servant who would save the world by dying and then rising again to bring all of us healing, to fill the hunger of everyone who would accept him. And so we see the source of healing. It is that bread of life. It is that Christ Jesus risen from the dead because by his wounds, our wounds are healed. He didn't want to become king, an earthly king, because he was going to be in fulfillment of the prophets, the Psalms, and the law of Moses, he was going to be the lamb led to sacrifice. He was going to be the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He was going to be the one despised and rejected of men. He was going to be the one flogged, nailed to a cross, and laid in a tomb. So when we are suffering the despair that comes from abortion, when we are suffering the pain and the grief we're called to unite ourselves in this lifelong journey of healing with the one who suffered grief for us. Because in a mysterious way, when we unite our pain with Christ, especially as we are on the road of repentance, Christ Jesus uses that pain, joins that pain with his, joins that loneliness with the loneliness he experienced. Not one could come and stay awake for him for one hour in that garden of agony. All deserted him and fled on the night of his arrest. And only John, 
among his apostles was there at the foot of the cross. He experienced that betrayal, that loneliness, that so many who have experienced abortion know all too well. As I said, the Silent No More campaign gathers the testimonies of those who have had abortions. I want to read excerpts from two of them here today so that we might grow in compassion for those, and they are all around us, who have been through this devastating wound. Bridget writes this. I chose abortion because I did not want to shame my parents. They were both prominent citizens in our community. Before the abortion, the nurse told me not to look, but during the procedure, I did. I saw blood in the clear collection container. I knew I killed my baby, and I immediately dissociated my emotions from what had just happened. From there, I lived the next three decades of my life in a daze using drugs, alcohol, and promiscuous behavior to escape self-harm and to escape. I cannot share about my second abortion. There is still pain associated with it. But I can say my life was forever changed as I began to isolate and sink deeper into destructive behavior, anxiety, and depression. When I became pregnant the third time, I was numb. Fear ruled my life. Avoiding pain and shame became the only way I could breathe and look at myself in the mirror. I wanted to die. I knew the abortion was wrong, but I had no hope and could not see a way out of the mess I had created for myself. I scheduled another abortion. My eyes on the floor, I thought again about how I wish I was dead. Prepped and on the table, my feet in the stirrups, a nurse came and stood by my side. I felt her hand touch my shoulder, and she looked down at me. I looked up into her eyes as I cried. She looked at me and said, you do not want to do this, do you? Looking at her, I said, no. She responded, it will be over soon. In that moment, my rights were denied. My no was not heard. My voice wasn't heard, and the life of my child ended. Brothers and sisters, the reason that the month of April is Abortion Recovery Awareness Month is that we need to quickly reach the people who are in this daze of confusion, this mire of despair. Notice she said she lived three decades this way before finding hope and healing. We've got to make it a shorter time than that. We've got to reach people urgently today with the message of the risen Christ. Let's listen to excerpts from one more testimony from Irene. The abortionist came over and walked to me, and she said, Is this your first abortion? And I said, Yes, it is. And she goes, Don't worry, don't worry. It's not a big deal. That's the biggest lie I ever heard. Don't worry. It's not a big deal. When she injected a chemical into my abdomen, my daughter started kicking and punching me. She was fighting for her life. And it was at that time when I got out of this chaotic haze, this chaotic shadow that I was in, because I felt my daughter fighting for her life. I cried silently. They gave me something sweet to eat and orange juice to drink, and after 30 minutes they told me to come back the next day 
Because you see, my daughter was six months when I ended her life. And when you're that far along in pregnancy, it's a multi-day procedure. After seven hours of labor, I gave birth to a most beautiful yet lifeless baby girl named Leonore Bridget. She looked just like a newborn baby, but she was much smaller. I touched her hands. I played with each of her toes in my fingers. I caressed her. I just looked down on her, and I'm crying, and my tears are falling on her face. And I'm saying, I'm so sorry, Lenore. Mom was confused. I love you. I didn't know what else to do. Please forgive me. You can find hundreds of testimonies like this, brothers and sisters, at abortiontestimonies.com. That's a website we have for our Silent No More campaign. We have nothing but compassion for these moms. The dads are wounded too. The grandparents also suffer. We had on one of our programs the other day somebody who lost great-grandchildren to abortion. Nieces have been lost and nephews, the aunts and the uncles suffer. Friends repent and grieve over the child lost because they took their friend for an abortion or they encouraged them to do it or they helped pay for it. The abortionists are wounded and their staff are carrying tremendous burdens. I even helped both Norma McCorvey, the Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade, and Dr. Bernard Nathanson, the architect of the abortion industry. I helped both of them personally on the journey of their healing. Brothers and sisters, so many wounds. And we're all wounded in one way or another by abortion. Let's turn to the one who is the bread of life, who is the source of all our healing, who satisfies all our hungers for peace, mercy, reconciliation, forgiveness. Christ is risen. May the healing from his heart fill all those wounded by abortion. And may we be vessels and proclaimers of that mercy and healing. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.